0: nwp radio you're listening to nwp radio a production of the national writing project nwp
1: Welcome, listeners. This is NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. Today is November 8th, 2021, and we are talking with Rebecca Harper, the director of the Augusta University Writing Project and author of the recently published Right Now and Right On, 37 Strategies for Authentic Daily Writing in Every Content Area. We'll be talking about writing instruction, daily writing, and writing across the curriculum. I'm your host, Tanya Baker, at the NWP in Berkeley, California. Hello, Rebecca. Hi, Tanya. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you about this book. But before we jump in, could you please introduce yourself to our listening audience? Maybe you could tell us like the short story of your career.
0: Uh, Well, I'm a former middle grades teacher, and now I'm an associate professor at Augusta University. Um, My area is language and literacy, and I kind of happened upon middle school on accident. I needed a job. I graduated in the middle of the year and I ended up loving it. And then I had a baby and went home. And then after a a couple of years, 18 months of being home, I decided I wanted to go back and teach, teach. And I ended up at Augusta University as a full-time temporary instructor. And I thought I would be there for a semester. And (laughs) I've been there for 14 years.
1: Holy Moses. Yeah. Yeah. I also stumbled into my teaching career and decided I loved it. And it can happen.
0: It was was not what I wanted to do. Um, Growing up, my mother was a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so there was this natural question that people would ask me, you know, aren't you going to be a teacher like your mom? And, you know, most people don't realize their parents have any sense until they're older. (laughs) I would respond emphatically, absolutely not. I know how much teachers make and I don't want to be a teacher. And then it it became the most natural place in the world for me to be because it is, I think, the closest place to being on stage without being on stage. And every day is different. (laughs) it, It worked.
1: Exactly. Well, this gives me a lot of hope, Rebecca, because everyone has asked my daughter since she was five if she was going to be a teacher. And she says, Absolutely not, but she's naturally born to it. So it's going to keep holding out hope that she finds her way. (laughs) Um, I also like to ask a personal question and for you, I think the question I'd love for you to answer is actually, I'd love you to finish this sentence. Anyone who knows me knows I love
0: glitter and stilettos.
1: That is correct. Mm-hmm. If I had to fill it in for you, that's what I would have said. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Let's talk about your new book right now and write on 37 strategies for authentic daily writing in every content area. First of all, why did you want to write a book about authentic daily writing?
0: Well, because as a, a former middle grades writing teacher and what I do now working with teachers, it's it's my area of interest. And I just naturally think of ways, I just just can't help but look at the world through a writing lens. Mm -hmm. So anytime things happen, or, you know, I hear something on television or on the radio, or my children say something to me, I'm thinking about ways in which that I can make this fly in a literacy classroom. And I think, for me, you know, I came into teaching with a lot of background, you know, preparation on how to teach reading and how to teach math and and everything else. But I had no pedagogy for writing Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and I was hired as a writing teacher and I had there was no one. It was a brand new position. There was no teacher to go and ask what you did last year. And I was lost Mm -hmm. and I even went back to our Dean of the school of education and sat down with him and said, you know, you guys failed me as a, an educator because I am teaching something that I was not prepared to teach. But then the more that I started working with teachers, I realized that my situation was not unique, that most teachers don't have any kind of formal instruction in the teaching of writing, but yet are expected to write daily and to, you know, in order to, to meet standards and the, the demands on state assessments, they're supposed to teach it, but many of them don't know how. And so they do what I did when I first got, you know, a job, which was, I put a prompt on the board mm-hmm. and, you know, go forth and write. And that worked for two kids in my class, but the other <sighs> 90, you know, would ask me these ridiculous questions like, what what should my title be or you know I can't spell this or you know so for me you know in doing a lot of the professional development that that I'm do I've been doing for a while people would ask me they would say have you written this stuff down and you know prior to a few years ago it would just existed solely in my Mm -hmm. head and so that was you know kind of the impetus for that that I knew it's something that's needed and I think a lot of times teachers they're given new programs that don't naturally fit with what they're already doing. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of learn this program. And, and you know, I, I wanted teachers to see that teaching writing is really, you know, it's really not as hard as we make it. The way that we try to teach it in schools, when it, with this formulaic approach makes it hard. But if you can look at the world around you and see the writing everywhere, it really becomes just a natural, a natural thing to do.
1: That um, there are at least two things in there. I hope to come back to. One is the two kids who succeeded, and all the other kids for whom that didn't work, and how how you you know like some teachers would be like, it works for these people. Everybody else should just get on board. Uh, but that's not what you did. Um, and then this idea of uh, natural learning and and the what kids are doing in the world versus what happens in classes is really uh, I think profoundly dealt with in this book and so I hopefully will talk about that too but before we do you're saying that um that this book came from professional development and people saying have you written this down it makes a lot of sense to me because the first thing that I noticed about the book and I know you teased me a little about it a little bit and said I hope you like the content too but the first thing I noticed was it's a really great form for what it is. So when I, now that I've read this book, when I think about it, I think about it as being like an often used super posted, post-it noted handbook for anyone who wants to incorporate more daily writing into their classroom. Like I can just imagine it, you know, mine has sticky notes all over it. I can imagine a teacher working every day in a classroom would be like, Oh yeah. And I want to do this. And I want to do that and all kinds of sticky notes and notes um, can you describe the relationship between the function, how you imagine teachers using this book and the form that it took?
0: Well, I think that a lot of times teachers, you know, have certain skills that they want to focus on. And so there are certain blanket skills that, that cover multiple disciplines. And so it really doesn't matter whether you teach science or social studies or ELA, your students have to be able to organize their thoughts. Mm-hmm. And they're also probably going to be asked to compare and contrast. And they're probably going to be asked to summarize. And so I imagine as a teacher thinking about a skill or a competency I needed to address and then kind of putting all those things together, like here's a way that you might do this and here's another way. Um, and here's a modification if, if you know, you're teaching it in this particular subject with younger kids or older kids. So I imagine that people would just kind of dip in and dip out Mm-hmm. You know, based on whatever it is that they wanted to do. Um, and, you know, if you're trying to, you know, you do a, a section on textual evidence, which no matter where I am, pe- teachers say my students don't do textual evidence well. Mm-hmm. They just like pick something up from the text and drop it down and say, well, it came from the text, so it must answer the question. And so I just started thinking like, well, what, what could I do to address that? So I try Mm -hmm. to listen to what teachers uh, are saying is one of the, when I do professional learning, the first thing I ask teachers when I see them for the first time is what do your students do well? And what do they, what do they struggle with? What do they have a hard time with? And that helps me think about what we're going to talk about in that session. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in listening to what teachers have said to me over the years, that's kind of how this book is, is framed. And part of the, the great, part about working with teachers on a regular basis is that a lot of the ideas that I that I think of when it comes to teaching writing come when I'm in a you know in a classroom working with teachers and there'll be lots of times where I'll say I don't know if this is going to work or not because I just made it up just here but it sounds like it might work so let's try it um so I think that's one of the I try I try to as much as I try to make the activities and the strategies, you know, ways to, to address writing in an authentic manner manner, the way in which many of them were born, were also born in this real world, relevant, authentic place.
1: That really takes me to my next question, I think, because um, I do feel like you are paying attention to real world, authentic lives of young people and not seeing those as a detriment, but something to build on, which is really powerful. And in fact, I think this book speaks really beautifully into and against the current ways that some people are thinking about young people or the world or what school is or should be. So I'm gonna say some sentences that I think some I hear people say, or I've heard that people say, And then I would love for you to say what you think and how it's represented in the book. So um, for instance, I hear a lot of people say digital life and social media are ruining students as writers. What do you say?
0: No, I think it's just giving them another opportunity to write. Um, I think where we have an issue is that our students don't necessarily have a sophisticated understanding of audience and purpose. Mm-hmm. And so, which is why, you know, when teachers say, well, my students turn in these essays, and they have all this text lingo in it, and, and and they don't capitalize I and everything. I think a lot of that has to do with not having an acute awareness of your audience. And so that's, that's an easy thing to address. I'm sorry, those are my uh, we love dogs, babies,
1: and school bells yes. on this show. <laughs> but
0: so, so an easy thing, and this, so this is in my head, but coming in in book three, that an activity you can do to address audience is just like with greeting cards. So, what I would do with my students sometimes is I would take a stack of birthday cards, just random birthday cards. I would get. And give them to the students and I give them a note card and I would say, okay, you need to send a birthday card to each of these people and I would list different types of people so I might say, your Sunday school teacher who's 85, your best friend from college, you know, so so and the point being that the purpose of your writing has not changed. The purpose of that assignment is Mm -hmm. to send a birthday card. That's what you're saying, but your audience has Mm -hmm. changed. And so you have to consider for your sweet little old 85 year old Sunday school teacher, which card is most appropriate for her, not necessarily the one with the guy sunning in a speedo, but maybe the one (laughs) that has a picture on it. And so I think things like that, um, you know, are great opportunities. And, And I also think too, it's how we couch the language, Tanya. So when you think about when, we, when, when a student writes a sentence in their essay that is off topic, our knee jerk reaction is typically to say that doesn't belong there. That's the off topic sentence that, you know, but really it could be an excellent sentence. It's just in the wrong place. And so I sometimes mm. will tell students it's just like it's, it's your car and you're supposed to park in lot. Three hundred and you parked in lot two hundred. It doesn't mean your parking job was bad or that your car is is bad. It just means <laughs> it's in the wrong parking lot. We're going to <laughs> it over here, and, and that's kind of the way you know. Ha- so, I th- so I think it's easy for us to say digital, uh, you know, literacies and digital writing and all the are, are are you know hurting our students or harming them because they're not writing in this quote unquote academic um, language, but maybe if we looked at it differently, like that can become a jump off point for some other type of, cause it's valuable there. We have mm-hmm. kids who are writing more than we are they're, and they're on Snapchat right. and TikTok. Who cares? I don't care. I just want to see them writing. Right. So I just had to figure out, you know, that that's, that's my, that's my th- I'm always trying to figure out like, how can I take what they're already doing and use it as spendable capital in my class?
1: Um, I'm afraid this is going to be an audio, um, interview for listeners. So they can't see how your face just lit up when you said that, but that is, uh, they can probably hear it in your voice. And that is the tone across the book. Like this is g- good, hard work, great fun. Why wouldn't everybody do it? Mm-hmm. Um, let me say some other things that I think I hear people say. Writing summaries and learning vocabulary are easy, low hanging fruit of writing instruction. So I do not need strategies or thinking about that. I just assign it and kids should be able to do it.
0: Well, here's the thing. If it were as easy as assigning it and kids, you know, could do it, then anybody off the street should be able to teach vocab and summarization, you know, so Mm -hmm. I, I students still need to know how to do that. And depending on, you know, what's your purpose for learning this vocabulary? I mean, there's a difference between incorporating academic vocabulary and then uh, specific word choice and vivid vocabulary, and then words that, that um, instill this concept of voice, which is so nebulous. It's really hard for, for people to define. Um, and then summarization. I don't, there's not a, a school that I have visited where a, a teacher hasn't said, Man, my kids don't know how to do that. They tell me every single thing. So even even grown people, I think, need opportunities to engage with these kinds of skills. So I think so. I, the way I think about literacy and and writing is almost like a passport. Okay. So what happens a lot of times with um, teachers is they, I think assume that because they've checked off the boxes Mm -hmm. that um they have covered that genre Mm -hmm. and they don't have to go back to it again. And unfortunately, um that doesn't necessarily mean that they the students really, really get it. Okay. So if you if you think about you know like a literacy passport, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll just stamp all right, we've done personal narrative and now now we're going to stamp Argumentative. okay, so kids have been there one time and they've got that <laughs> place, okay? But what happens like if you think about like really traveling and what happens when you go to a place over and over again? So if you go to Ireland the first time, you're gonna just do what what's the super touristy stuff to do, right? right. that everybody yeah. does. But if you go back over and over and over again, you're gonna to go to these hole in the wall places and you're gonna to go to these places that only the locals n- n- know. And so I think about that with writing that mm. if you only stamp it one time, they're just gonna have the, over, the mm. overview of what it means to write persuasive. But if you keep going back there, Mm -hmm. And you keep writing, you know, doing persuasive for this kind of topic and this content and this content. Then what happens is students begin to develop this understanding and have a a better um, grasp on what does Mm -hmm. that genre really, really mean instead of just being able to give you, you know, just the basics, you know, um, which is unfortunately what happens a lot of times is they just have just enough to get through whatever the main requirements are.
1: I feel like on another thing, I should just do a sizzle reel of you making metaphors for teaching writing. And we just like play them all because they're fantastic. Um, All the things you said made me want to bring up this one, which I think is uh, you really take up in the book, but um, that is I taught it. They didn't get it. They were probably paying attention or maybe they're just not good at writing
0: you know it's not always their fault <laughs> i mean here's the thing think about like the way i think when i was in high school when my teachers had me do an outline to outline to frame my research paper okay the point of that strategy is to frame your paper up front to think through what's going to be a and b and okay but i wrote my outline after i wrote my paper and so I frequently ask teachers about that. How many of you learn how to do an outline? How many of you wrote your outline before you wrote your paper? How many of you wrote your outline after you wrote your paper? So what I'll say to people is for the people who actually use that strategy the way that it was meant to be done, which is to write it before you write the paper, it worked for you. But for the 80% of us who raised our hand and said, we wrote the paper first, that strategy doesn't work, Right. at least not in the way that it's supposed to right. So. I'm not okay with only getting 20% of my kids. Mm -hmm. Other people might be, but I'd rather get 80% than 20%. So Mm -hmm. I think having teachers, you know, having the option of multiple strategies, right? So there's, there's, you know, more than one way to do this. And the more things you throw out to kids, the more likely that somebody's going to connect with one of them. Mm -hmm. And one of them, but if you only give them one, you know, and and hey, mm-hmm. the really reality is, I I know, and I say this when I work with teachers all the time, that I'm not telling you that this strategy is going to work for everybody. You're going to miss somebody. That that's just the nature of teaching, but the number of people you miss can De- greatly decrease right. if you start looking. You know, but yeah, I mean. Sometimes, you know, when you've, you've taught it this way and you've done this way and you've tried multiple things and people still don't get it, then I think you can feel a little bit better about saying, OK, I've done. Right. But we just like follow. That's why like strategies like race will only work in certain situations. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to. But if that's the only thing that a teacher has in their toolbox right. and they try to make it work for everything, it's, it's just it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Right.
1: All right. One more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Daily writing is a great space filler. So like I like to use it as a bell ringer while I take attendance. Any assignment will do for that.
0: Yeah. So the first thing is, hey, I'm just glad that people are writing every day. (laughs) Okay, good. true. Um, So that so that's a positive. But writing has to be strategic and purposeful right there i'm not i'm not here to tell you that there aren't days when you just throw things in because you know that's that's you know what happens but you know it has to be deliberate in like what's your end game you know what's mm-hmm. your you know and and, and because a student needs to see that too right. you know if a student doesn't feel like or doesn't see that their writing is going to be read on a regular basis or that it's going to feed into something that they're going to do later on, then why would they do it? I mean, you're dealing with, you know, a lot of cases, you know, teenagers who are what's in it for me. And, and I, that's how I think, like, I try to work smarter and not harder. Mm -hmm. So I want whatever writing that I'm having my kids do. I want it to help me on something bigger. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to have value and not just value to me, but value to the student. And they have to be part of that process. So you know, that means that maybe, you know, last week we did something and I noticed that a lot of the students really engaged with it. And they it, it spoke to them. I'm going to go back to that thing again. But then if there's something else that, you know, my kids didn't really jive with, then, you know, I might leave that for a little bit. But I think they students have to feel like like what's my point in doing this? Mm-hmm. that it has value, you
1: mm-hmm. know, like
0: when, when, when I was teaching middle school, you know, and we were working on the, the argumentative genre and, and persuasive, because if you, mm-hmm. if you don't know persuasive, you can't do argument. You got to mm-hmm. know persuasive before you do. But I would have my students, you know, I would take um, witness statements because I, I worked in a school where I had a lot of kids who were getting in trouble a lot and they had to write these witness, eyewitness accounts. And I would have them bring them to me and we were talking about like, what's, what is a quality statement you know, and what this is where you state your claim of what you did, and here's your evidence showing so that you. And so I used those mm. as teachable um, text because those were really relevant. Because when you have kids who, like I did, who were getting suspended mm-hmm. on a regular basis and were writing these witness accounts that basically said I was just standing there, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I use those in class to say, okay, where <laughs> is the the rich thick description of right. what you we were doing and that's I'm teaching textual evidence and building a claim and all of those things. And my students were able to see, this is a skill that will help me.
1: (laughs) I need this skill. I need to know how to do this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, So I feel like anybody who's listened to the conversation this far should already want this book because of the way that it frames the importance of teaching, that there are multiple ways to teach That kids can be engaged and you can pick up lots and lots more kids than you're reaching with one or two strategies. Everybody should already be excited about this. But in case they're not, another thing I'd like to talk about about this book is the way the richness of the cross-curricular examples. So a lot of books about writing across the curriculum have pretty generic subject area examples and or no math examples, for example, (laughs) But I felt in reading this book that your examples for using these strategies and content areas were really thoughtful and very content specific. How do you do that? How did you research or develop these examples? So, you know, I'm just
0: always thinking, like, how would this work someplace else? Because I walk in the door with an ELA frame of mind. Right. But a lot of the PL that I do is with teachers who are math and science folks. Right. You know, social studies, people are a little easier to convince because there's a lot of narrative that's woven into right. social studies. But math and science, it's technical. It's academic vocabulary um, mm-hmm. it's specificity of language. And so in working with lots of teachers, um, you know, sometimes if there was something that I just could not make a math connection with because I'm not a math person, I have a lot of colleagues and friends who I would say, hey, all right, do you see this kind of working, you know, in, in your area? Um, and then just working with a lot of teachers for a number of years mm-hmm. and being in a lot of schools and lis- listening to um, mm-hmm. kids. Because I'm around children a lot, you know, either in schools or, you know, just in the regular world. And so, I, my, in, my, in fact, my own personal children, I, I think, are just hopelessly embarrassed by the questions <laughs> that I ask. Because <laughs> I will just say to random kids, What are you reading? You know, what are you you writing? Um, And you know, even like what I was trying to think through an an Instagram strategy to try to figure out how to make because I couldn't understand like what how a post functioned differently than a story. Mm -hmm. And so I started asking, and this was at a swim meet, so I'm timing, (laughs) and, and these kids come up to the block to swim. I say, hey, do you use Instagram? They're like, yeah. So okay how do you decide what to post in your story versus what goes on your post? Um, and so I just listened to what they were saying. And basically what they were saying to me is the really important stuff I wanted to stay. So I posted on my post, but the stuff that's just kind of like extra details goes in my story. So I started thinking, huh, that's like summary and main idea. Yeah. Without them even thinking. They have just described to me that the <laughs> things that are important in their lives, the important details, get posted, but those extraneous details go in the story and they disappear. How can I use that to teach? So just that's, that's just kind of the way, you know, and again, I think that's just the way that I look at the world that I can't Mm -hmm. help it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't sometimes understand how other people don't see that these, these things that I'm just constantly just inundated with all these possibilities for reading and writing, which is so exciting you know, I'm just kind of like, look around. It's everywhere. Um, but, you know, I would just I would ask people and, and when I would get stuck on something, you know, sometimes I would have to let things sit and come back to them and think of think through um, because what I didn't want to happen is I didn't want it to be um, where the, the content crossovers felt. Forced, or they didn't feel natural, right? So, right. Um, and there's some, you know, where if if a math connection didn't really work in that situation, and I even after I slept on it and sat on it, and I, you know, then there might not be a math, a specific math right, um, right. connection. So,
1: better no example than a bad example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. Well, all right, Rebecca, um, this is sort of my next to last set of questions, which um, you kind of led naturally to with your, again, big, bright eyes and excited voice, like about being inundated with ideas. And there's so many ways to teach it. And it's so exciting. That's the thing I love the very most about this book. It The attitude toward writing, toward teaching and toward young people. There's there's a lot of joy in this book, wouldn't you say?
0: I think so. I mean, it's it is my favorite thing to do. You know, to just um, get, I, th- I think there's so much potential and there are so many really valid opportunities where we can show our students can sing, mm-hmm. um, but they don't always get those, you know, chances to do that. Um, and, and I think, you know, real writing is, you know, it's not linear. You know, it's this whole recursive piece mm-hmm. that dipping in and dipping out and you're revising as you go. Um, and I think that the more students see teachers talking about the different forms that writing takes. So post on Snapchat, you know, your to do list like, oh, my gosh, there's this, th- this whole new thing in my head that's floating around is the literacy practices of athletes like there's so many things that are happening you know with with ball players when mm-hmm. they're breaking down film and they they're doing close reads of film mm-hmm. and they're predicting and they're making inferences but sometimes those kids are the same kids who come into my classroom and struggle mm-hmm. you know but they can do that there but right the, it's like their baseline is up here. So my, and I was talking to some coaches last week and I said, my guess is you never have anybody when you're breaking down film say, hey, remind me again what the tight end does because they know, <laughs> they know that already. So that's part of the, the advantage of yeah. background knowledge. And so a lot of times we're giving students tasks that they have no background knowledge mm-hmm. on. So, What would you expect them to write when they right. don't know their topic? You got to start with what they know.
1: <laughs> Do you um I could talk to you about teaching and writing all day and I talk to a number I you know I in my job I'm lucky to talk to a lot of people who are passionate about teaching and learning and excited about all the things that you're excited about and at the same time I'm talking to a lot of teachers who are having a lot of trouble finding that joy in classrooms these days. Um, Do you you see that in the world and how, I mean, I feel like this book is in a way, a part of an antidote, but I'm wondering what you're seeing. So I think it's probably the, one of the hardest
0: times ever to be a teacher Mm -hmm. just because the target is moving constantly. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things that are happening with platforms that teachers are having to try to, to learn and, you know, virtual learning versus, you know, hybrid and just face-to-face. And then the PL that, that, that teachers are getting and how do you modify something so that you are still following COVID protocols. So, you know, passing materials around is different.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so I
0: do think it's, you know, there's a lot of, there's always been uh, stressors as a teacher, but mm-hmm. now the stressors are so different Mm -hmm. um, in in just a different way. But I think that there's still a lot of joy Mm -hmm. to be had, um, you know, and a lot of opportunities that you can use writing as a vehicle to kind of work through some of those, you know, a lot of our students will tell us things on paper that they won't ever say Mm -hmm. to your faces, you know, and I learned more about my kids, my students from their writing, Um, then anything, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they, but, but again, I still, I go back to, I, I think kids just want to feel important. Mm -hmm. They want, you know, um, to know that, that somebody cares about them Mm -hmm. and those are not hard things to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really just a matter of, you know, talking to kids. Mm -hmm. Hey, how are you doing? How's your family? Even if you don't necessarily know their whole family, just, you know, Um, did you have a good weekend? What do you, you know, what'd you watch this week? Those kinds of things, building relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, and those, um, the the teachers who I see now who are just, you know, soaring past Mm -hmm. all of this are the ones that have built strong relationships with their students Mm -hmm. and who are concerned with not just educating, you know, for the standards they're charged with teaching, but the whole child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and, and and just, you know, small things. I mean, I, I think I, I put this story in the book, but I had a, a eighth grade basketball player who struggled in my class, who was reading on like a third grade reading level. And I, I would, anytime he was in the paper, I would cut it out and send it to him, you know, and even when he was in high school. And I saw him in Atlanta a few years ago in the elevator and he's he's all grown up. He's six, five. And <laughs> He gave me a big hug and he said, you used to send all my basketball and football stuff in the mail, you know, I and mean, that was, you know, over a yeah. decade ago. So, you know, and part of that is directly out of, you know, my life as a child, I had a neighbor who anytime I made the honor roll would cut it out of the paper and send it to me in the mail. And, you know, I, I just re- remembered that. So I think, you know, right now, one of the, the biggest, pieces that that we have to be cognizant of is the overall social and emotional place where a lot of our students are but also our teachers yeah you know and one of the things even like with these book clubs that we've done with the writing project that have kind of created this community with teachers Mm -hmm. that didn't feel like pl but felt like just conversations with Mm -hmm. colleagues Mm
1: -hmm. that have
0: been really helpful, um, you know, in, in, in a weird time, just a weird Mm
1: -hmm. time. Yeah. That's, um, that's probably a lovely place for us to end by me saying, if you are feeling like it's hard to hold on to the joy or you don't know what to do, or you don't know where to start this book feels like a lovely thing and you should have it, but Um, Rebecca, you are a mom and a teacher, and so I know you've shepherded many things or are shepherding many things and people out into the world, and then you made this book and you're shepherding it out into the world. Um, Do you have an imagined life for this book? Can you tell us what you hope it will do out in the world? Well, I hope
0: that, first of all, that people will read it and that they'll go back and try um, some of the strategies. Well, that's one of the, the the best parts about writing something like this is when I get emails or I get tagged on Instagram or something where somebody's gone back and they've tried, you know, one of these strategies. And, I, you know, I want to hear things that work, but I also want to hear things that don't work because those are important pieces too mm-hmm. um, or modifications. So, you know, that is probably you know, one of the proudest pieces is when you have people who say, you know, I read it and, you know, I did this and it worked or I did this and I made this change. Um, is that OK? That's another thing. that's really <laughs> I just have to say, Is that OK? Like That's exactly what I want you to do. Um, so that's what I hope, you know, and I hope that this becomes because there's a lot more in my head. And, you know, this book, I mean, I I've, I had in my head for a while. And I kept pushing. My my first publisher was not publishing anything else that was writing related. And I had stalked this person at another publishing company and he'd kind of, you know, not paid attention to me. And I was at NCTE and I went by Corwin Literacy and I dropped off my old book and said, I wrote this book and there's more up here. I have another book that I'm ready to write. And they said, let's write it. Um, so I think, you know, just, being able to continue to do to do those pieces mm-hmm. but I, I think the other part that's important for people to know is like all this started with National Writing Project mm-hmm. and I know you know this but you know I started teaching and I had been I got, I guess at Aiken Middle for maybe a semester and or maybe a year and a half can you remember before I did the Midlands mm-hmm. Writing Project at USC which is now that that, that project is not there anymore but I remember sitting at the interview table because I was in my master's program at the time and the, I would get six free graduate hours. Okay. And I remember sitting at this table, I wore a red suit that day. (laughs) And all these people who had been in the project before said, this is life changing. I came in one person and came out another. And I remember sitting there going, these people are nuts. There's no way that this could be this much of a transformative experience. I'm here because I needed six free six hours credits. of credits. <laughs> so and I and and I went in expecting I would not get chosen because I was a brand new teacher. And anyway, I did. And it was, I mean, it's it absolutely when I go back to like what was the pivot point for me professionally, hmm. it was after that summer. Because I had never looked at teaching writing like that before, I had mm-hmm. never thought of using mentor text. I had never thought of bringing in a prom dress <laughs> character, and yet now in my office I have four prom dresses <laughs> and regalia that I used to teach, and feather boas and everything. And I had never presented at a conference. Mm-hmm. I had never, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about going into a PhD program. I certainly wasn't thinking about. Uh, teaching at the university level. And I certainly wasn't thinking about, you know, writing a book or writing an article or anybody listening to anything that Rebecca Harper had to say (laughs) until that summer. Mm -hmm. And so when I, and I tell my students this all the time, especially when they come in, you know, with our, our, to our summer Institute, that that summer in 2005 changed my life Mm -hmm. and everything, I don't know, you know, I might have eventually made it here, you know, but I certainly I don't think it would have been the same road. I don't think it would have happened as quickly. I don't think I would have had the confidence because, you know, but, but writing project did that because Mm -hmm. it made it for me. Okay. To go off script. Mm -hmm. Um, That I knew that what I thought was, was, was good for students that it really was, Mm -hmm. you know, I can trace all of these, you know, pieces in my career, my professional life back to that one summer. So I would say to, you know, to educators who are, you know, this is a hard time. And they're wondering, like, do I want to keep doing this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get involved with the writing (laughs) projects. Because that, I mean, I I, I ran it at my son's school. I went to eat lunch with him today. And the girl that I went through writing project with is a teacher there. And so, you know, it's just one of these things. It's like, you don't Mm -hmm. even have to say anything. You're like, we spent that summer together. (laughs) Um, And until you've done it, you're going to sit at the table and go, these people are crazy. This could not be transformative. (laughs) I would prefer to say that most people who are anybody who's anybody in the literacy world somehow has a connection to writing project. Hmm. Somehow, some way.
1: Uh, we should I think you've said this to me before we should make a map or a family tree or something
0: because it all comes back to I I think you know that kind of collaborative experience Mm -hmm. because I think it finally gives it gives teachers an uh, opportunity to have a voice and to feel Mm -hmm. like you know I'm doing really good stuff in my classroom. I should share it. You yeah. know? But until you, know, you, you do Summer Institute, a lot of teachers don't think about,
1: right. think about that. Well, your ending with that um, gave me shivers because your story is so close to mine and so many of our colleagues who've had the same experience as teachers who come to the writing project. Uh, I would add, yes, I agree with Rebecca. If you're wondering if you should stay in the profession, you should because it is so full of possibility and joy. You should find a writing project site if you haven't and experience a summer institute. And you should probably buy Rebecca's book right now and right on because it will give you an intermediate shot of hope and some new things to try in your classroom that will bring you joy. Um, uh, one more time, this book is right now and right on. It's available from Corwin Literacy. So good job, Rebecca, getting them, getting in touch with them and convincing them of the brilliance of this book. You were Right. Listeners, you should get this book now because in February, Rebecca will be hosting a three session teachers working group that will use this book as a text and support teachers in trying out some of these authentic daily writing strategies in their classrooms and then learning together about how they work. You can join the teacher studio. You can find that at studio.nwp.org. You can join now and look for information in January to sign up for this deeper dive with Rebecca. Rebecca, it is always a pleasure to talk to you about uh, teaching and writing and or young adult literature. And um, I really appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you do in the writing project. And I appreciate this lovely book that you've put out in the world for teachers everywhere. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. W bi